0: ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app Sirius XM Channel 80 and ESPN Plus rolling with the winners. It's Harry Douglas and Chris Candy. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Twitter at Chris Candy99 and at HDouglas83. And we also want you to tap in on the candy call-in line. Triple H say ESPN. That's 888 729 3776 We got a jam-packed show for you today. Harry, we got to get into the latest with Aaron Rodgers saga. Also, Brian Flores, assistant defensive coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, making some news with some of the headlines that he made in an appearance last night on HBO. We've also got some of the landing spots for prospective free agents, but there's only one place for us to start the show, HD, Mm. and that is in New York City with the mayor, Eric Adams, talking about the indoor vaccine mandate and suggesting today at a press conference that things could be changing on that front. This is Eric Adams at the Brooklyn Navy Yard today saying that, and I quote, he can't wait to adjust the city's vaccine mandate for indoor spaces, including arenas, and suggested a phase-out could arrive in the next few weeks. He says, quote, I look forward in the next few weeks to going to a real transformation that I don't have to wonder what you look like. I would know what you look like again and we, we we so moving in that direction, and we're really going to do it in a safe way. So it seems to suggest that the vaccine mandate that had been in place uh, prior to the NBA season kicking off is about to change. And we know what that means in the tri-state area when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. It means the potential return to being a full-time player for the Nets' Kyrie Irvin.
1: Yeah, and I and I, I actually like it. I like it that Mayor Adams is taking this upon himself to understand that, okay, times have changed, Right. When this was implemented uh, at the beginning, we were in a in a in a pandemic, and we're still in a pandemic. But things were more ramped up. Right now, things have settled down a little bit more. And I will continue to say this: we are still in a pandemic, but things have ramp pushed down been pushed down a little bit more. So now they're 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 looking at the overhaul and the possibility of a Kyrie Irving being able to play every game in New York is very, very huge. Because, Chris, I'll tell you this. I never really understood it that being in New York, Kyrie Irving that is, and he's unvaccinated, and and I will also say I encourage everyone to get vaccinated, but your personal choice is your personal choice. But being in New York and living and not being able to play uh, in Brooklyn, but the opposing team, if a player isn't vaccinated, is able to come in and play never makes sense to me at all. right? Because because if we're going to protect – everyone here in New York, which while you had those things in place, let's do it the right way. And that that just wasn't the right way to me.
0: Yeah, Harry, and I'm with you a thousand percent. It offered a competitive advantage to the visiting team because even if they had an unvaccinated player, that guy would be allowed to play. And, of course, Kyrie Irving wouldn't because he's on the home team and it applies to home players. It didn't make sense to us. It also didn't make sense to Adam Silver when he had a chance to talk on Get Up on February 16th with Malika Andrews, and here's Adam Silver in his own words on New York City's vaccine mandate.
2: Honestly, there, I have no inside information. I'm, I'm here in New York, and that's where that ordinance is in place that has the direct impact on Kyrie. I'll say, it, to me, just, just stepping back, um, while it's been the league's position that we wanted to see every player um, vaccinated and boosted, that's not something the Players Association was willing to do. Having said that, though, we got to voluntarily 97, 98% of our players boosted and the vast, I'm, I'm sorry, vaccinated, and then the vast mm-hmm. majority of them are boosted. This law in New York, the, the oddity of it to me is that it only applies to home players. I mean, I think if we're If if ultimately that rule is about protecting people who are in the arena, it just doesn't quite make sense to me that an away player who's unvaccinated can play in Barclays, but the home player can't. So to me, that's a reason they should take a look at that ordinance.
0: Chris Canney and Harry Douglas on ESPN Radio. And Harry, in all fairness, this is not an ordinance that was put in place by Eric Adams. He's the new mayor. He, He got on the job at the beginning of January this was put in place by the previous administration, this vaccine mandate for indoor spaces and for employees working in that in that arena. And so I, I think that's that's something that needs to be made clear. But Eric Adams clearly has the information that shows him that things are moving in the right direction in terms of infection rates in New York City to the point where in the next several weeks that we can expect that vaccine mandate to be lifted. We actually now have a timeline. And I think that's important in terms of trying to project or forecast what this next team is going to be doing throughout the course of the stretch run of the regular season and gearing up for a playoff run. You look at their remaining schedule, they've got 23 games, 13 games at Barclays. And if I'm not mistaken, there are only eight total games that Kyrie Irving is going to be available for because of vaccine mandates in those other two road games. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not this vaccine mandate gets lifted and whether or not the Nets are going to be able to have Kyrie Irving available for the lion shares of those games rather than about half of them.
1: Chris, I'll tell you the scary part about this all is that if things were to stay the way they are right now and the Brooklyn Nets some kind of way got matched up with the Toronto Raptors, Kyrie Irving wouldn't even be able to play in any game in that series. And that's the scary part about this is because, Canada has their rules. New York has their rules. And I'm just I'm just happy that uh, Mayor Adams is, is taking it upon himself to revisit this and see that there is light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The Toronto Raptors, y- you would like to have Kyrie Irving if it becomes a play-in tournament type of situation. But you're anticipating also having Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant. So potentially, even without Kyrie Irving, the Brooklyn Nets will be able to take care of their business against the Raptors, who are a team that's, really resetting this season as opposed to trying to have any aspirations of making a deep playoff run. But your point is well made because it's all about positioning for the playoffs. It's all about putting yourself in the best spot so you have the easiest path toward winning a championship. And I think that's going to be the interesting thing over the next four or five weeks as we go through the the remaining third of the regular season is how much ground can Brooklyn cover And if you're going to have Kyrie Irving for more games than not, and you get Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant back sooner rather than later, then all of a sudden you're talking about them being able to make a push to not be in the play-in games at all. You can talk about them being a top five, top six seed, and I think that's what Sean Marks and Steve Nash would envision in a perfect world. So I think that's the thing that we have to watch for with the Brooklyn Nets. You heard Kyrie Irving say, you know, watch out for this team after the All-Star break with this vaccine mandate break seemingly going their way no pun intended it could be a situation where the Brooklyn Nets could go into the postseason with more momentum than anybody is expecting
1: and I I, I wouldn't discredit that I think when you've seen the trade that they made for Ben Simmons you bring it on along a Seth Curry along with the Andre Drummond which I thought was very very imperative and important to their team because that's an area where they lack um, I think uh, productivity uh, being being able to have a big man to clear the boards, to be able to sustain that physical part of the game from other big mans and four men and five men who can do some damage down there in that paint. Uh, to pair that along, you got Blake Griffin, and then you have LaMarcus Aldridge. And you have a Patty Mills. Now you have a little bit more depth on your team as well, and you was able to do that by taking one person and sending him to Philly and getting three people back uh, in instance.
0: There you go. I mean, I like you got to like some of the moves that the Brooklyn Nets have made in terms of being able to get a guy that didn't seem like he was all that interested in staying around for a young player that's in his mid-20s that's an all-NBA caliber performer. So let's listen to Stephen A. Smith and what he thinks about what Kyrie Irving can mean to the Brooklyn Nets during, during the stretch run of the regular season and on into the postseason.
1: You sit in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And you
0: pray every day that Kyrie Irving going to be on the bus. Huh. He's going to get off the get bus. He's going to get off the bus and he
1: going to walk into that so, into that arena. That, now, when he walk in there, I've been on the record. The brother's a showstopper. He's a superstar.
0: Let's not act like the vaccine or being vaccinated is the only thing that can cause Kyrie Irving not to show up. There's always something. <laughs> and it's time for Straight Talk Wireless. Brought to you. it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And Harry he, Stephen A. Smith makes a, a smart point there when you're talking about Kyrie Irving because it's seemingly been one thing after another in terms of whether or not he's available to work for the Brooklyn Nets. A couple of years ago, it was him going AWOL for a couple of weeks, not notifying the organization. You know, th- it was an injury in the postseason. He turned his ankle. Uh, trying to get a rebound, and he fell on Giannis's foot. And now this year it's been the vaccine mandate that, that has forced him into being a part-time player for half of the season. So the question now becomes, regardless of the vaccine change, how much do you trust Kyrie Irving as we go through the remainder of the regular season and in the playoffs?
1: Well, I'll say this. One of the things we got to start looking at when it comes to Kyrie Irving is understanding that Kyrie is going to be Kyrie. He's not changing. He wasn't going to get the vaccine. If he feels like he needs to take time away from the game, he's going to take time away from the game. Now, I think uh, when you look at Kevin Durant, when you look at Steve Nash, you look at everybody in their Brooklyn organization, I think they are to the point now that they realize that Kyrie is going to be Kyrie. So it might might not bother as many as them as it bother us. I think it bothered James Harden, but James Harden was just there one year, and I understand KD and all those guys came came over at the same time. But I feel like, Kyrie is going to be Kyrie and those guys in that organization have come to a point to where they're just going to accept that. It may be one day, hey, Kyrie don't want to show up because he's dealing with something mentally, but hey, expect the unexpected. That's one of the things that we can't expect from Kyrie is that it can happen at any given moment. But I'll tell you this, if he's on the straight, narrow road and has that tunnel vision and has that hunger to get another championship, it's going to be hard to beat Brooklyn because you arguably have two of the best one-on-one players that ever played the game. And I don't know how you're going to stop that. Then you got a Drummond who can play some defense and get rebounds and a Ben Simmons, right, who can facilitate and also bring more of a defensive presence to your team as well. Well,
0: well, the the key word is if, right? If exactly. Kyrie is locked in, yep. if Kyrie is committed. And that's the biggest question since he's been a Brooklyn Net because you haven't seen any consistency to that end in terms of him being committed fully to high-level winning. At every turn, it's Kyrie Irving has other interests. Basketball is not going to be the thing that divines him. Basketball is his art, but it's not necessarily the most important thing in his life. He's telling us – That sometimes he's going to put himself and whatever else he's passionate about ahead of basketball. And I don't know how that fits into doing everything that you can in order to help your team compete at the highest level. And I also say this, Harry. The Ben Simmons aspect of this thing is not something to be understated because Ben Simmons has got to figure out his role with this team. And if you don't have Kyrie on the court consistently, then it makes it hard for that group to develop the chemistry that they're going to need in order to contend once they get to the playoffs because the Milwaukee Bucks ain't worried about chemistry. The Miami Heat ain't worried about chemistry. And those are the teams that you're going to have to go through in order to make a championship run. Sean Mark said, He's not sure what Ben Simmons is going to be with this team. He can play the point. He can play the five. They're going to have to figure that out the remainder of the regular season while trying to make up some ground so they're not in the play-in. And that is Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up next, how long will it take for Joel Embiid and James Harden to mesh in Philly? Harry and I will have the answer for you. But first, a word from eBay. When a part of your offense isn't firing all all cylinders, it shows, right, Harry? Maybe it's a drop ball. Maybe you just can't work your way down the field. When this happens, the only solution is to replace that part with something better. It's the same with your car. But unlike in sports, a new batch of car parts can't be drafted every year. That's why eBay Motors exists. They have all the right parts at the right prices. In fact, eBay Motors has 122 million parts. That's a lot of parts. That way you can get the parts you need to make your car a winner. Visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.
2: Guard James Harden gets what he wants, a trade to the 76ers. Point guard Ben Simmons gets what he wants as well, a one-way ticket out of Philadelphia.
1: This could potentially, not definitively, go down as the worst day in the career of Darryl Morgan. The worst day.
0: Chris Candy and Harry Douglas on ESPN radio and also streaming on E plus and Harry, you heard the sound bites right there. We've got Ramona Shelburne talking about Ben Simmons and how it's going to be weeks, not months before we see him in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. He's doing individual drills at practice. Kevin Durant is doing individual drills at practice. So it seems like both of those guys are trending in the right direction for the Nets. But now the question becomes, When are we going to see James Harden? We're post-All-Star break now. We know that the Philadelphia 76ers have title aspirations, which is why they gave up the mother load in order to bring James Harden down here. We know that James Harden was the apple of Daryl Morey's eye, even going back a couple of years ago when James was stuck in Houston and Daryl was ousted as their general manager. But now the two have been able to come back together, and the question becomes, how is James Harden going to fit with Joel Embiid and the rest of the supporting cast down there in Philly because that group has something special going, even without Ben Simmons even touching the court this season.
1: I think that's that's my main concern right now is Philly and Embiid has been playing a great brand of football. Embiid has been the most dominant player in basketball this year. He is my number one guy uh, when it comes to the MVP race. Now, you're adding a different piece to that puzzle. You're adding a guy like James Harden who – Uh, has played with a lot of stars in his career, but it has not worked out. It hasn't meshed. It hasn't uh, brought a a championship, nor have they reached a championship game. The only time that James Harden did was when he was in OKC, but all those guys were drafted together, and then they took that loss to the Miami Heat and LeBron James. So that's the the main thing I'm worried about because a lot of people talk about, hey, this is going to be the best duo in basketball. These guys are going to do great things. But what if it doesn't work? Nobody is talking about what if it doesn't work because right now I feel like a guy like James Harden has the most pressure on him more so than anybody in the National Basketball Association because he just forced his way out of Houston two years ago. This year he forced his way uh, out of Brooklyn, and now you're paired up with Joel Embiid in Philly. So if you're James Harden, you have to be feeling some of that pressure because if it doesn't work out, everyone's just going to start calling you a cancer.
0: Well, yeah, Harry, let's run down the list. I'm not going to put the Oklahoma City situation on him because he was coming off the bench with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. So I can understand him wanting to have a bigger role, have his own team. I get that. But when he was in Houston, didn't work out with Dwight Howard. Didn't work out with Chris Paul. Didn't work out with Russell Westbrook. And then he ends up forcing a trade, and a lot of people didn't like the way that that went down. It didn't work out with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. Now, I don't put the Brooklyn situation on him, but from the optics, from the perception standpoint, it's that it's that James Harden doesn't get along with other superstars. And so I think you're going to find a guy that's motivated, that's incentivized to find a way to make it work, because unlike the two guys in Brooklyn that he just left in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, James Harden doesn't have a ring. James Harden's legacy is not cemented in that way when it comes to the greatest basketball players of all time, even though he's on the top 75 t- anniversary team. I-, I just look at this in a different light. When you have a championship ring, it- it- it's a special club when it comes to your standing with the elite of the elite in the history of basketball. And James Harden is still searching for that. So going alongside Joel Embiid, who is the prohibited favorite right now to win the MVP... I think that you're going to get the best version of James Harden. And let's not make any mistake about this, Harry. James Harden is a basketball savant. People were trying to figure out when Houston and the Nets swung that trade, what it would look like those three offensive players working together. And James Harden was the one that took a back seat when it came to his scoring role in order to facilitate the greatness of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And it worked. I mean, James Harden was a walking triple-double. Sure, it wasn't 30 points. It was more of the 18- to 20-point variety, but he was playing winning basketball. He was making the game-winning plays in terms of getting the balls to guys in their spots in order for them to be at their best. And I anticipate that that's what we're going to see when he goes down to Philly with Joel Embiid and the rest of that supporting cast. And the one benefit that you have now with James Harden that you didn't have with Ben Simmons is that you have a bona fide closer. You have a guy in the last five minutes of the game that can be a walking bucket. Typically, big men are not closers in the NBA, especially when it comes to playoff-style basketball. That has to be somebody that's in the backcourt. That has to be a guy that's a wing player. Joel Embiid is not that, but James Harden is. And so I think they have the makings of a group that can make a deep playoff run. I think James Harden gives them a different dimension, and it makes them a much more diverse offense, especially in the half court.
1: Well, I, I'll say this. James Harden has to get over showing up small and big moments when it comes to the playoffs. And I bring up another moment even last year when Kevin Durant was getting bucket after bucket after bucket against the Milwaukee Bucks. Kevin Durant was dirt-tired in that game. He deferred and passed that basketball to James Harden. What did James Harden do? Oh, I don't want no parts of this. Katie, you take it. You shoot it. Shoot the ball, James Harden. We've seen the the the, the situations in Houston where he's been up 3-1. Uh, But he can't get a bucket to help his team uh, solidify a win. When it comes regular season time, James Harden, no question, has been unbelievable. But when it has come to crunch time moments in the playoffs, he has diminished and he's been small.
0: Well, I'll say this. Going back to that Milwaukee Bucks series last year, he had a hamstring injury. So he wasn't 100%. So I, I don't know if I can necessarily put that on him. And then the playoff series that the Rockets were up 3-1 against the Golden State Warriors. It was the hamstring injury to Chris Paul that derailed that series. He didn't have his Robin there to help him uh, be Batman. But I I will say this. Overall, I agree with your sentiment. James Harden has not been the best playoff performer. And so that's going to also be uh, on display this year. And how he performs is going to be a referendum on that aspect of his career. Whether or not this is a guy that can step up in big moments when his team needs him to. And based on the capital that Daryl Moore gave up, two first round draft picks, an all NBA player in his mid 20s that's got four years remaining on his contract, Andre Drummond and Seth Curry. James Harden damn well better make it work. <laughs> Boy, I guess like, they, they, they he better, he better <laughs> yes, make he it do. work. Because if he doesn't, then there's no more excuses as to why he can't perform at a high level and compete for championships. It's just an indictment on his game. That's what it becomes. But coming up next, Brian Flores says he's inclined, or as Brian Flores says, he declined to sign an NDA with the Miami Dolphins on his way out the door. And then he explained his reasons why. We'll have that for you on the other side of the break. Harry Douglas, Chris Candy, ESPN Radio. ESPN, ESPN Radio. Radio. HDNCC on ESPN Radio. ESPN app, SiriusXM XM Channel 80, ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tap in on the Candy call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Jumpstart the new year with Body Armor Light, the low-calorie sports drink hydrating your active lifestyle. Shop now at retailers nationwide. And Harry, last night, Brian Flores and his attorneys representing him in his litigation against the National Football League made an appearance on HBO's Real Sports that's hosted by Brian Gumbel. And one of the things that Brian Flores cited was the fact that the Miami Dolphins tried to get him to sign a separation agreement that included non-disparagement language which means that he would be precluded from saying anything negative about the organization uh, after he was employed, and that would entitle him to the full benefits and compensation that he would be due with the remainder of his contract. And, of course, Brian Flores decided to decline that and pursue legal action against the Miami Dolphins, as well as several other NFL teams because of uh, discrimination in hiring practices. And so we have Brian Flores, in his own words, describing the situation and talking about why he didn't sign the NDA. I think, you know, just signing that,
2: you know,
1: separation agreement would have really silenced me. How much money did you wind up leaving on the table by, by choosing to not sign that agreement? Uh, a, a lot. A good, a good a amount lot. of money. A lot, a lot of money. What's a good it, amount? It was, it was millions of, of dollars. dollars. It was
2: tears of his contract. And to Coach Flores' credit, you know, he wasn't going to sign that because he wanted – it wasn't about the money it was about the money, he would have signed it. What he did
0: instead was he filed this lawsuit so that he could help other coaches now and in, the, and in the future. Now, Harry, the Miami Dolphins have since responded to that, and I quote, this latest assertion by Brian Flores that Stephen Ross mentioned in NDA to him is categorically false. This just did not happen, and we simply cannot understand why Brian continues this pattern of making unfounded statements that he knows are untrue. We are fully cooperating with the NFL investigation and look forward to all the facts coming out, which, are, which we are confident will prove that his claims are false and defamatory. Now, I hear all of what the Dolphins are saying, Harry, but the one thing that I will say is what I can't understand is why Brian Flores would be turning down millions of dollars that he would be entitled to in order to not sign the NDA or the separation agreement, for, and from what I understand, includes a lot of standard language for coaches. I, I just don't understand why he would do that if there wasn't something that happened where he felt like the Miami Dolphins undermined his ability to be a good head coach in the National Football League.
1: That's the that's the part that's mind boggling, um, and this is not uncommon when you see uh, people in the in the common workplace. Right, they go their separate ways. Things like this aren't uncommon. You have those NDAs that people sign. But in order to sign those, in order to get your money, you have to sign them. In Brian Flores' case, he decided to take the other road, right? He he decided to take the road that not a lot of people want to travel on. And he did it um, sacrificing the individuality for the greater good. Now, I'm with you, Chris. I I don't see any man who's going to sit up here and turn down millions and millions of dollars to tell a story and lie about something. doesn't make any sense. But this also tells me that, Brian Flores has a lot of things in his back pocket that he's holding on to. And piece by piece, he's just going to start displaying them piece by piece. Because he's not coming out and saying any of these things if he didn't have that evidence sitting in his back pocket.
0: Yeah, it has to be something that's substantive. It has to be something that can be corroborated in order for Brian Flores to feel confident enough to forego the millions of dollars of compensation that he would be entitled to and to pursue – Litigation against not only the Miami Dolphins, but the Denver Broncos, the New York Giants, and the National Football League. There's got to be something there. And the part that gets me, Harry, is the fact that Brian Flores is no longer unemployed. Yes, he's not a head coach in the National Football League, and I'm sure he wants another opportunity to do that. But he was hired by the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a man that's engaged in an active lawsuit against the National Football League, and yet the Rooney family and Mike Tomlin decided... We're going to bring him in, understanding the potential distraction that that could bring to our club because we recognize that he's a good football coach. But also, we might just happen to agree with his stance Mm. in acknowledging the disparity that's happening with blackhead coaches, with coaches of color, not only from inequitable hiring practices, but also unequal treatment when it comes to having the runway to get programs turned around, the timeline in which coaches – have to order to get the programs fixed uh, in comparison to their white counterparts. Black coaches get fired, on average, a year prior to the white coaches getting fired, a year earlier than white coaches getting fired. So I think there's a lot to this, and the fact that he was hired by the Pittsburgh Steelers organization in a lot of ways validates some of the claims, some of the concerns that he raises in his litigation. Now, I'm not saying that all of it's true. All I'm simply saying is that his course of action and him foregoing millions of dollars – warrants the NFL doing a deep dive and in investigating what happened in Miami that ultimately undermined his tenure there because the the the, the guy is a credible coach. The guy knows yes, what he's is. doing. He understands football. I mean, they had back-to-back winning seasons with four – what is it? Three different quarterbacks. You're talking about a franchise that hadn't had back-to-back winning seasons in 20 years. And you got to go back to Dave Wanstead, the last coach that did that with Miami. So, I mean, I don't – I think there's a lot to some of the things that Brian Flores is saying, but to him foregoing the money speaks volumes in terms of giving some validity, some justification for the course of action that he elected to take.
1: And, Chris, it's like my grandma used to tell me, boy, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. You have all these things that are just lining up, Chris. They're lining up, they're lining up, they're lining up. So you mean to tell me – Every time a team or anybody else has something to say about Brian Flores, oh, he's telling a story. He's not telling the truth. These allegations are false. You're trying, you mean to tell me that this man, who was one of the better coaches in the National Football League, you, when you talk to a guy like Rob Nikovich, that, that lets us know that his career, he gives Brian Flores a lot of credit for him being able to play in the National Football League for a long time because of his one-on-one teachings. They won eight out of their nine last games last year. You want to know the one team they lost to, Chris? The Tennessee Titans, who happened to be the number one seed in the AFC. The one the one, the, out of the last nine games. So you're not going to sit up here and tell me that this man isn't a good coach. But see, the thing is, the problem that we have in the National Football League is that people that being, that, that, are, that are in high power a lot of the times, they want you to do what, you, what they want you to do at all times, right? But what I love about Brian Flores, he didn't sacrifice his morals and values. To just do what anybody said, even though it was his boss. And sometimes, man, you gotta you gotta stay intact with your morals and your values so it doesn't bring you down at some point. Because what what another thing that has been proven, at some point, things do come. What's done in the dark does come out in the light.
0: No question about it. And what we could say about Brian Flores is that his sports character is such that it can't be impugned. Like this guy, this guy has integrity, and we've seen Um, we've seen players and and people that know him well talk about how much of a football man he is. And so for him to decide that he was going to go down this course, knowing that it could potentially cost him his career, it speaks volumes about the problems that are facing the national football league when it comes to fair treatment of black and Brown coaches coming up next is Luka Doncic, a legitimate MVP candidate. One of us says, yes, we'll have who that is next on ESPN radio. ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Can anyone stop the Nets if Kyrie Irving can play in the home games? That's the question that we want to hear from you guys on on the call-in line. Tap in at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But, Harry, I got to ask you a question because I was doing Get Up this morning with our partner, Jay Will, Mm -hmm. and Mike Greenberg, and I was listening to Jay Will tell Greeny this morning that Luka Doncic deserves MVP consideration. And at first blush, it seems like one of those things that's like, what? What are you talking about? There's what Joel Embiid is doing with the Philadelphia 76ers. You got Giannis in that conversation with the Milwaukee Bucks. He's already got a couple in his trophy case. And then you got what Ja Moran has turned the Memphis Grizzlies into. How the hell do you land on Luka Doncic? And then you actually do a deep dive into what Luka Doncic has been doing this season, especially since that ankle injury. Luka Doncic has been on a tear, man. So the first 21 games of the season, not great for Luka, averaging 25 points, 8 and 8, with a minus 5 net rating. But after the ankle, after the layoff from the sprained ankle, when he dropped 15 pounds, Luka Doncic in those 23 games, averaging 29 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists with a plus 13 net rating. So his plus or minus is 13 on average. Pretty phenomenal stuff from Luka Doncic in the last 23 games. The guy has been on a terror. And let's keep in mind also, the Dallas Mavericks decided to cut bait with Christoph Porzingis and traded him before the trade deadline. This guy is going Hambino, and he's got his team As a top five team in the Western Conference, and we both know that that's the tougher of the two conferences in the NBA. So, I got to ask you this question: Should Luka Doncic get consideration for MVP this year?
1: Ooh, this is a tough one, Chris. You threw one at me, but I got to say this: If I am going to consider anybody for being MVP of the National Basketball Association, do I have to get on them about losing weight? Ooh, great point. I am not getting a a great point. See what I am saying? So, uh, the fact that he took it personal the fact that he had to lose weight and somebody had to tell him. I don't need my MVP or any MVP, period, across any sports needing that direction. That should be your mindset anyway when you come in. Now, Luca has the numbers to support any MVP talk across the board. But see, when it comes to Luka, I'm of, I'm of a different mindset. Right, we know Luka scored a basketball, and he move at his own pace, right? He, mm-hmm. He's never sped up, got the little step back, and always look like he's in slow, slow motion, Chris. Mm-hmm. But here's my thing. I want to know what Luka's going to do next, team-wise. Are they going to get past the first round? I don't know, Luka. Let me know. Then we'll start talking about this other stuff.
0: Wow. I, I hear where you're coming from with that one, but a couple of things there that you said. First of all, Luka ain't the first MVP candidate that's had weight issues, okay? (laughs) Nikola Jokic, a couple of years ago, had some issues (laughs) with his weight, and he had to drop some LBs. Second point, we've seen MVPs that we know don't necessarily have the prospects of having a lot of team success. Once they get in the playoffs, go back to Russell Westbrook when he had his MVP season, averaged a triple-double. He he wasn't talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder being a a, a team that can make a deep playoff run. So I don't know – if those are two qualifiers for a guy to be able to win MVP, but what I do know is Luka Doncic is one rebound per game and one assist per game from averaging a triple double on this season. And oh by the way, he's top five in scoring and he's top five in assists. The guy is special and he's doing it without a lot of a lot of help. I mean, we ran down the roster pre show. You, tell me, star, Trash, you tell me who the second star
1: you tell me who the
0: second star is on the Dallas Mavericks team. And and. yet Luka Doncic has this team with the same amount of wins as the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid. So I'm just saying that Luka Doncic deserves maybe a little more consideration. And it sounds like Mavs owner Mark Cuban might agree with me because he recognizes the shift in Luka's mentality and Luka taking it upon himself to decide to lose some weight and get in better shape. I think he was humbled a little bit. I think, you know, he, he didn't like being called out for his weight and other things. And it, it finally
2: clicked that, you know, there's a level of discipline that's required. He knows what he needs to do, and, and it, it finally clicked that if he's going to be the best, and he I know he wants to be the best, that there's certain things he has to control. And, and once he got a handle on those things, it's just been Katie bar the door. He's just been unstoppable.
0: Now, that was Mavs owner Mark Cuban Tuesday during an interview on 310, the ticket in Dallas. And to Mark Cuban's point, since they released the voting of the All-Star players, Harry and Luka didn't get any votes from the media for the All-Star, any any starter votes from the media. Luka Doncic averaged 35 points in those 10 games, 10 rebounds and 9.8 assists. So think about that. He's a guy that is absolutely paying attention to all of the noise surrounding him and the lack of production because he hadn't been in shape, and that's something that he's taken to heart and stepped up his performance. So pretty impressive by Luca.
1: Yeah, I like Luca, and he plays with an edge to him, though, Chris. He's not going to let nobody sit out there on that court and push him around. He has a little chippiness to him, but he's a walking bucket. And like I said earlier, He's not – no one's going to dictate the speed that Luka plays at. He's going to play at his pace and get it No done.
0: doubt. He's going to play at his speed, and he's the guy that the Dallas Mavericks are going to build around in the future. But coming up next, which quarterback would you rather build your franchise around, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow? The answer should be simple.